be yourself, tell your story, be legit, <laughs> but also just be yourself. Cause like no one's you, right? you know what I mean? So like, I trust that like my experience, my weirdness is just going to attract the people, you know, that are supposed to follow me. Hey everyone, Emily Abadi here bringing you episode 98 of Hurdle, a wellness-focused podcast where I sit down with inspiring individuals to talk about everything from their big wins to how they've gotten through some of life's toughest moments. On the show, you can expect vulnerability, motivation, and candid discussions with everyone from top athletes to aspiring entrepreneurs on what it really takes to follow your passions. My mission is simple, to inspire you to be your best self, move with intention, and have some fun along the way. I'm going to be honest, I am really vibing on the whole mood of Women's Month. And so I'm going to stick with that for the most part here on the feed over the next few weeks. Today, I am chatting with, admittedly, a little bit of a girl crush of mine, Lindsay Simsek. She's the co-host of the Almost 30 podcast, along with her pal, Krista Williams. And if you're out of the loop, Almost 30 is one of the best podcasts to listen to right now, period. The two ladies have honest, beautiful conversations with a ton of people that I admire, including past Hurdle guests, Robin Arzon, Alex Williamson, and Dr. Jen Esker. And really have this awesome way of diving into the issues in a way that feels approachable and honest and so relatable. You turn on Almost 30 and you feel like you're just listening to two of your best friends have a catch-up session. And sometimes in this crazy world, it's just the nicest breath of fresh air. I'll get to Lindsay's story in just a second. Before I do, a quick shout out to my sponsor, Athletic Greens. I cannot praise Athletic Greens travel packs enough. I used to feel like I had to pack all of these supplements, all of these multivitamins, and now when I'm heading out on the road, the first thing I throw into my carry-on is the Athletic Greens travel packs. And that's because not only do they feel like they help me be my best me no matter where I am, but the Greens powder has the antioxidant equivalent of 12 servings of fruits and vegetables, as well as prebiotics, probiotics, adaptogens, and superfoods. By shaking it up first thing in the morning, no matter where I am, I know that I'm giving back to me. I'm taking a step in the right direction to be my healthiest and happiest self. Athletic Greens is offering Hurdle listeners an awesome deal. You can get 20 of the travel packs I love so much absolutely free with your first purchase. Just head on over to athleticgreens.com slash hurdle. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash hurdle to get yours today. No code necessary. All right, so on today's episode, Lindsay and I are talking about her journey from New York over to LA, how she made the leap of faith with the help of a job at SoulCycle and how she transitioned out of that job when her and her friend started building their almost 30 empire. 
We talk about how taking that big step wasn't easy and how so much of what drives her today is trusting her gut to follow her dreams. For anyone who's interested in starting a podcast, Lindsay's input into the whole space is so valuable. We talk about the little steps that they took to get up and running and the chaos that ensues these days as the show has seriously grown. I kid you not, I walked out of the apartment that Lindsay and I recorded in Los Angeles and I called my friend and I said, I am putting it into the world that within the next five years, I too am going to have this beautiful space and a room that's dedicated to being a podcast studio and just her energy is contagious. And again, just girl crushing to the max. Almost 30 has grown into this global community. They have retreats and they've been on tour and I just see what Lindsay and Krista are doing and I have so much inspiration to follow a path like theirs. So a huge thank you to Lindsay for sitting down with me. I feel personally inspired and I know that you will as well. As always, I love seeing you guys interact with the show on Instagram and Twitter at Emily Abadi at Hurdle Podcast. The last week of the lace-ups on Instagram absolutely blew my mind. It is so awesome to be part of the Hurdle community. Thank you for inspiring me to do what I do every single day. If you have a hurdle moment of your own to share, you just want to say hi, you can always reach out to me over email. It's emily at hurdle.us. With that, let's get to hurdling. Today, I'm sitting down with Lindsay Simsek. She is the co-founder of Almost 30. And I feel like I could like throw out a bunch of other accolades, but... (laughs) It's, it's a like, big it's the biggest one. It's like the multi-hyphenate <laughs> culture that we live in. Mm-hmm. I feel the need to start off by asking you, how are you really? Mm, good one. Yeah. Uh yeah, I don't think we ask each other that a lot. And I haven't been asked that today. So thank you. I'm I feel like two people. Yeah, why is that? So I'm feeling um I have quite a bit of anxiety and I'm also super happy. <laughs> so it's simultaneously. A wild, it's a wild day. It just is. You know what I mean? And I'm trying, I feel like I've met my anxiety later in life. You know, as a kid, I wasn't that anxious at all, um, uh, to my knowledge. And um, yeah, I've just met it later in life. So it's been really interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's funny because I'm sure you can share the sentiment. I've heard you talk about it before on the podcast and we'll get into what almost Mm -hmm. 30 is and everything, but just so much of building something and showing up the way that we do is showing up for other people. So sometimes it can feel like days before someone asks you, how are you? Mm -hmm. Or before you like stop to take inventory of what's going on in your own ecosystem completely you know and I think especially as founders you know Krista and I we we started the business quite soon after our friendship began so we've we've gotten to know each other as the business as the podcast the brand has evolved so I feel like both of us aren't checking in with each other and ourselves as often as we should and that's not knocking either of us it's more just like we have so much to do and feel this um, undying um, responsibility to almost 30, to the community, to our team. Now we have a team. So to take a moment and be like, hey, how are you, how are you doing? How are you really? 
feels like, oh, that might take up too much time. Let's keep going. So we have to check ourselves because I think it's really important. Really so important. important. So important. So tell me what is Almost 30? So Almost 30 was born during my transition, Krista's transition from our 20s to our 30s. So it started out as a conversation between us and we had become fast friends after we were introduced during a time when she was auditioning for SoulCycle. I was a SoulCycle instructor, so I was trying to give her some advice. And um, after she didn't end up making it, she and her boyfriend decided to move to LA. She was in New York at the time. And she just started coming to my classes and we started hanging out and having these really deep conversations that I wasn't having with most people that I hung out with. And so, you know, she came to me one day, she's like, do you think we could start a podcast about like what we've been talking about? And I'm always down um, to get creative and work on projects. I was like, yeah, absolutely. So that's when it was born. And we just, it, it was never a question as to whether we were going to show up for it. You know what I mean? So we started on our closet floors. She would come over, I would come over and we would just have a conversations in literally in the closet on a recorder that was like 20 bucks from Amazon. And just what we didn't know was that we were practicing our conversations and really uh, fine tuning our chemistry and all of that. So it was really a cool time. It was about six months of that. Most of those have not, none of those have really reached the airwaves, but <laughs> we were, it, it was really cool. I think it was sending a message to the universe that was like, this is, we're serious. This is something. And we launched September 1st, 2016. And now, you know, quickly there was a community that formed a global community, mainly of women, uh, people who identify as women, 25 to 40 who are conscious, curious, open, and just like us going through some shit and really wanting to feel like themselves as they do that and show up as themselves, not as anyone else and feel really confident and supported. And, um, we've been on tour and just built the business in exponential ways and are, are super, super proud. But the core of it is just making an impact with women and, and making sure that they feel less alone. Yeah. And I mean, please, that's a huge part of my MO and it must totally. be really, really comforting and sometimes scary and just also awesome to be able to do this with a woman that you call one of your dearest friends. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so lucky. Yeah. So, I mean, you said you built this when you were both transitioning into this. So, obviously, there's a life before transition. So, let's dial mm -hmm. it back. And uh, you were in New York before you came here, but where did mm -hmm. you grow up? So, I grew up just north of Philadelphia in uh, Bucks County, Pennsylvania, a little town called Newtown. And I was the oldest of four kids. I, yeah, I was just kind of a... a carefree kid had a lot of imaginary friends I was always singing and dancing and putting on plays and I had little characters and all that stuff and you know pretty active and played lots of sports um I went to an all-girls private catholic school eventually which kind of you know impacted me in a in a big way went on to uh go to Boston College and spent my time up there which was a blast I learned so much and then after after that, I moved to New York for almost 
five years. And I thought I was going to be in New York forever. I was well, like, I'm going to raise my kids there. <laughs> How? I don't know. On the Upper East Side. In on, yeah. Only in an elevator building. Easy. You yeah, cannot sure. do it without an elevator. Sure. You need to get the stroller up and down. <laughs> and like, you'll take them to Central Park and it'll be just like giving them a backyard. Of course. <laughs> of course. We've all thought about it, man. Yeah. Wait, but how did the all girls Catholic high school definitely impact you? So I, I, I went there in seventh grade because my parents were like, you have a talent, theater, singing, all the things. And so if you want to pursue it and really hone your talent, like this school is known for their theater. And, you know, I went there, I visited, it felt kind of like a prison. There was like a convent. Everything was like brown, like color. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. the walls, oh. the bricks, like there was no color. And I was like, oh my God, I'm scared, you know? Um, nuns everywhere. And so, and which, who, by the way, were the sweetest and some of my favorite people during that time of my life. But I was like, oh, God. But this girl who showed me around was pretty lively and kind and like was like going to take me under her wing. She's like, I hope you come here. Like, you'll be my best friend. I was like, sweet. So I arrive in seventh grade. We become best friends. Things are good. I get involved in the theater. I'm cast in the show, all this stuff. And that same girl had been there since kindergarten. And when I, next the next year, um, I think rumblings had started before that, but the next year I was cast as Peter and Peter Pan. So I got the lead of the whole high school and um, had to cut my hair and do all the things. And um, she like turned against me because I like got the lead and all this stuff. So it was a it was a bullying situation, verbal bullying. And she told everyone in my class, in my grade, which was 23 girls, very small, um, not to talk to me. Oh. And if they did, she would make her life hell. So, you know, to an eighth grader, that's that's intense and they're not going to talk to me. So they didn't. And I was, besides being on stage, like basically mute at school the entire year. And I, that was not my personality, but I, no one talked to me. So, um, yeah, it was a really transformative year because I... Yeah, I, I, I was definitely depressed. I was really um, confused. I was confused as to why she had targeted me. But it was also an amazing year because it completely changed the trajectory of like my performance life. It was so it was like two things happening at once, kind of like how I feel today where I'm like, I'm anxious and I'm happy. Um, and yeah, I, I it's funny how the world works and, and God just kind of puts people in your life for a reason. I, I think she taught me so much about how I would want to treat people for the rest of my life. And um, also that she's she was probably going through a lot of pain to be able to, you know, cause pain for others. So I know that now. And it's funny, like fast forward when I was living in New York, I was working at a bunch of bars and she <laughs> I hadn't heard of her, seen her in, oh, I don't know, seven, eight years. And all of a sudden, I got my schedule for this one bar I worked at, and it had her name on it. No. I was like, are you joking me? What like, are the what? chances? So this full circle moment where we see each other again, and she like messaged me before. She's like, I want to address this. Before we see each other, I'm so sorry for everything I've ever done to you. Like, I hope you can forgive me. Like, I'm not that same person, all this stuff. And I was like, I forgive you. Yeah. You know, like and how course. powerful is that? Like that you are in a place now where you understand 
the beauty of being able to yes. forgive like that. And you understand why at that time she treated you that yes. way. Yes. I got a message from a, a girl I was friends with probably like four or five years ago. Mm. And I was dating this guy and it didn't work out. Mm -hmm. And I told her everything. She was one of my dearest friends at the time. And I found out like two weeks later that they had started to see each other. Oh, wow. And I had never truly been in like a friend breakup before, but mm. there was just no space for that type of relationship or someone that would treat me and my heart that way. And so like, I just had to part ways and I hadn't spoken to her in four or five years. And she messaged me the other day out of left field and just apologized. Mm. And I was like, that was really beautiful that you thought to, wow. to message me. And of course, like all is forgiven. Like, you know, you take time and reflect and we're all going through our own shit. Definitely. It never goes right the first time. Definitely. <laughs> Rarely anyway. Yeah, that's so beautiful. Yeah. I, and I think like we're being sent those moments a lot more than maybe we notice, mm -hmm. you know, so I'm I'm very I'm very aware of, of moments that like God sends us or whatever you believe in universe. Like it's like, oh, wow. OK. Full circle lesson. Totally. So you are in New York and you're in New York to pursue dot, dot, dot. Yeah, I was in New York to pursue. I wanted to be a Broadway star. You know, I really wanted to be on Broadway, sing. And that was what I had always wanted to be since I was little. And so I had to, like, make sure I could pay my rent. Yeah. And I basically worked at I think at one time it was like three different bars two or three different bars and then um you know I made a lot of money I made a lot of money doing that but it also like sucked the life out of me and the soul out of me a little bit it's a kind of a dark industry at times I met some of my best friends in that industry like I'm still best friends with them to this day but it's kind of a dark time. That's why you need to find really good people. Yep. Um, sometimes management is a little dark. There's some shit, shady shit that goes on. And so you really have to protect yourself. You have to protect your energy. Like if you're going to be working late at night, you're going to be serving people alcohol. They're probably doing drugs as well sometimes. You know, I'm, I'm making totally. assumptions and it's not everyone. I'm just saying there's things that happen when people drink and it's at night and they're coming after work and you know, they're not going home to their family, <laughs> like all this stuff. It's pretty dark. <laughs> so that, I was eh? like taking on that energy. I was really taking that in. Um, so I had to be careful, but yeah, I, I was in, I was doing those three bars and then, um, I found fit modeling. So fit modeling is like the non-glamorous, uh, job behind the scenes, it's like mm -hmm. non-glamorous modeling for brands. And I had a friend who did it and she's like, you'd be great for it. Cause you're kind of, you kind of are this size, whatever, whatever it's, they look for like quote unquote an average size, which, you know, isn't average at all. And, um, and so I, I, I booked a job and I kept that job for like three years and that, that also pays really well. So that, that brought me out of the bars. So I was able to quit the bars, do fit modeling full time. And then while I was fit modeling um, for this brand, which, you know, it's not hard work. It's just, it's tedious. It's like you're you're in there for like five, six hours trying on clothes. Like, and I work, the, the person who was like the head honcho was like very difficult. So I always had to just kind of take temperatures of rooms. You know, it was 
a lot of nothing, which kind of was a um, a test on my mind because I'm like, what am I doing? What am I doing? <laughs> what am I doing? making money. Um, <laughs> and then during that time I found soul cycle. So I would ride, I, I, I found soul cycle, I think a little bit when I was in the bars because it would help me wake up in the morning. I was so tired and I have to like go to auditions and things during the day and had gone to bed at four cause that's when I got out of work. And, um, I found soul cycle to wake me up and inspire me. And it did. And I was riding on a regular basis, but draining my bank account because it's so expensive. And the instructors I was taking from noticed me, uh, cause I was riding like front row center, LOL. And, um, <laughs> they're like, would you want to ride podium? And I was like, yeah, sure. And that, that allowed me to ride for free. So they would have me ride their podium and they asked me to audition. They're like, why don't you audition? I was like, oh, I don't have time. I literally don't have time. I have fit modeling. Like, how would I even do the training program? That's crazy. Like, ah, and they're like, what's the worst thing that could happen? Just audition and see. So I did and I made it. And I was like, oh, what now? I made it. So like, now I'm going to go through the training program, but how? And I just made it work. I told my fit modeling gig, I was like, listen, I can fit during this time, this time, whatever. And somehow I made it work. What's going on with like your aspiration to be on Broadway at this point? Yeah, yeah it's moving farther and farther away. No, it's always there. And you know what? What I've learned too is the trajectory of my life is never, ever going to be how I planned. And if, if, I, if I fight it, there's going to be a really messy fight. You know what I mean? It's just going to take too much energy. And so my priority was, okay, I, if I want to stay in the city, I have to like pay my way. Like, and how am I going to make money? This is how I'm going to make money. And so what I really did was leverage every job that I was in, the bars, the fit modeling, soul cycle, where I leveraged the relationships that I made. I... I would leverage my time. Like if I had that free time, it's, it's about either like memorizing lines. It's about sending emails. It's, uh, it's about submitting myself for auditions, all this stuff. I was hustling, but yeah, life has such a different plan. And so soul cycle, I, I became an instructor. I was living in New York teaching for three months. And after three months of me teaching, they asked me, very randomly, would you be interested in moving to LA? We want you to teach there. We want you to open up the Newport studio. And I was like, yes. Like I didn't even hesitate. I was like, yep. Meanwhile, like I'm, I'm living with my best friend. I would have to leave him. Like I have all my family on the East coast. I've never been a homebody. So I love my family. I just like, I'm not that type. So yeah. Uh, a month later I was in LA and I didn't realize that Newport I was like, oh, yeah, Newport, whatever. And I looked on the map. I was like, 50 miles from L.A. It's kind of far. Huh? Yeah. I was like, they tricked me. They, <laughs> they kind of did trick me, but whatever. But I opened that studio, and it was uh, incredible, like, just to be able to be the the main instructor at that studio and really cultivate a community. Got me ready to cultivate a community a little bit later. And... um. I just, I found my power and I don't mean power by power over people. It was just like standing in my power 
you know, and speaking my truth and just like finding my flow there. And it was so amazing. And then I eventually started teaching up in LA more and just in LA. So yeah, SoulCycle was an incredible four and a half years that just, again, changed the, changed the tra- trajectory of my life, helped me to find Krista, meet mm-hmm. Krista. So the audition process for SoulCycle is so rigorous. Yeah. And I think it's even more rigorous now, to be yeah. honest. Like when I auditioned, you know, there's an initial audition in a room with like 30 other people auditioning. There's like four or five, you know, big timer instructors and people on the, on some sort of department board or whatever. I don't even know. And they're watching you very closely. It's like very like straight faced at first, but then they like kind of warm up and get into it. But yeah, I don't even remember what I wrote to. It was a wild time. I, I don't even know if I could really ride that well. Um, but I had personality, you know, and I could really engage a room. And so that's what they were looking for at the time. And yeah, the 10 week after that, they do like another interview, like a sit down interview. And then once I made it, there's a 10 week training program, four hours a day, four days a week. Casual. Casual. Nothing, you know, time consuming. Not at all. I mean, when you moved, so when you moved out here, obviously you're in Newport at first, but when you start teaching more in LA, does the acting bug kind of come back at you? Yeah, it's always, it's always there. I've been thinking, I think about it often because I have to remind myself that what I'm doing now with the podcast is all a part of this just grand plan, just like it is for Krista too. Like, I think the podcast is is a highlight and will be a highlight of my life, you know, and I don't want to say that, like, I'm not going to act again because I have the podcast. I think that I'm going to have opportunities to act and write and sing. I'm making music right now. Like, it's just not happening in the order that I planned or the way that I planned. And the less I fight it and the more that I just pour into the things that are in front of me and and excited about you know, these unexpected things that I never thought would be my life, Mm -hmm. the happier I am. Did you have a time where you were so overly frustrated that the path wasn't what you envisioned that helped you get to this mental state? Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm trying to think of like when that was specifically. I definitely think there were points in New York and then there were points when I came out here to LA and I, I, I get tripped up when I think about the people who not only have helped and supported me, like my parents mainly, my family, but they also thought my life was going to be a certain way. And I I had to let go of living up to what they expected of my life Mm -hmm. because I'm going to show them that it's going to be even better. And it's not about showing them in a way that's like, (laughs) it's like, I want them to feel really good too about like the way they are as parents and people. And I just want them to, I want them to be proud of me. You know what I mean? And that's when I get tripped up sometimes because I'm like, shit, like I haven't, you know, been on an audition in X amount of time and what's happening. But I know in the deepest part of my soul that like, the way my career is is happening is is new meaning like it hasn't been done this way before and i'm really excited by it now yeah totally you know i'm kind of like 
new paradigm kind of paving, not paving the way. Cause I don't know who's behind me in terms of that. I'm just like, Oh, like I don't have anyone to look to for this because I'm doing it for the first time. So this podcasting thing, like I know will just give us a larger audience. And if say I make music and they want to listen to my music, amazing. Yeah. You know what I mean? I just, for me, this is my intention. Like one, like to, to impact people in a positive way. And I want to relate to people. Like I want to make them feel like them, like they can be themselves. Like they're, they don't have to be alone in what they're going through. And I always want to be creating, you know, whether in the podcast or outside of the podcast, like that gives me life. If my music never makes me money, I'm good. Yeah. I feel that you're like, speaking. do I want to make money doing music? Of course. (laughs) But like, I'm not in it to like, make a bajillion dollars. I think I, I think the stars will align where I will get beautiful opportunities to share my music. And if that is able to be a part of part of my income, beautiful. But I'm not going to be upset. You know what I mean? Yeah. If it doesn't happen that way. I mean, you're speaking to my soul on the relationships front and the communication front and yeah. like just opening up a space where people feel safe to be themselves. Yeah. It's the most empowering and beautiful thing when you can look at someone and you can tell by the way that their eyes glisten yeah. that they feel comfortable with you. Totally. Uh, so that's really special. So you meet Krista and she's auditioning for Soul Cycle. Mm-hmm. And how does that go for her? So she auditioned twice, um, if I'm remembering co- correctly, and she didn't end up making it. And it's just funny because, you know, honestly, like she should have made it. Yeah. And I and I liken it to it's like when you're trying to get into college and they're looking for like an oboe player. Do you know what I mean? And you're not an oboe player and you're like, but I got straight A's and this and that and whatever. It's just like what they were looking for at the time. And and she would have been an incredible instructor. Um, but like then we probably wouldn't have started the podcast. Yeah. So like it's it all just worked out so perfectly and she's really found her purpose talk to me about starting the podcast aside from the six months that you guys sat in the closet and played yeah. pretend like the actual launch of the pod yeah um it was all about consistency you know we we made sure to have five to eight episodes in the bucket to make sure we had that lined up I think we released three at once in the beginning so people can get a taste of like what's going on with Almost 30. Um, Naming the show was interesting because, you know, we're not Almost 30 anymore. So people ask us all the time, okay, so like you're not Almost 30, what's happening? But, you know, we like to confuse people. (laughs) And starting the pod, we had no idea. No idea what we were doing. But we trusted each other respected each other we believed in our idea and the impact that it can make and we just showed up for it every single day without fail every single day and at the time Krista had quit her full-time job to pursue blogging Mm full-time at one point like very very early on in the podcast and it was it was rough it was really rough because um you know, she's an incredible blogger, such a good writer. And so, so funny and relatable, but it's hard. It's hard to make a living, a full blown living out the gate. And so what she recommends now is like having that full-time job and doing the blog on the side until you gain that momentum and all of that. But, um, 
yeah, she she was blogging the whole time. We were doing the podcast, but it allowed us to have that time to record. Right. You know what I mean? We wouldn't have had that time if she had a full-time job in the beginning. So it was showing up every single day. We were recording. Um, and Because aside it, from this right now, you are teaching at SoulCycle and you're yeah. doing the pod. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm, exactly. I was doing some fit modeling out here in LA. I'm always like hustling a little something on the side. But yeah, it was it was the pod and it was SoulCycle. But I'm teaching... 15 classes a week, riding every one of them, traveling to Newport for three of those days, which is at least an hour each way. I mean, I would hustle back from class. We'd have an interview. Like, it was just like wild times, like really wild. Um, Not always fun, but we just did not give up. It was not an option. So we we released once a week. And then maybe like six or seven months in, we pitched some brands that Krista had worked with for her blog to advertise on the podcast. And they said yes. So those were our first advertisers. It was really exciting, you know, to make a little, to break even. We had put a lot of money into whether it was renting a studio because we rented a studio for a little bit, um, then getting equipment, paying people to edit the show, paying people to like run the soundboard at the studio because we didn't know what the hell we were doing um, to travel to, you know, all these things that we were paying for, which, you know, we didn't mind. It was just what we wanted to do. But we we broke, we started to break even, which was really, really nice. And yeah, it just grew organically from there. And we started to meet our community in person pretty early on. Yeah. So I think that's really interesting because that's something that I've started to do as well mm. with like maybe an event every quarter or so, whether yeah. it's here or in New York or wherever I'm traveling to, which is always just so, again, like that IRL connection, nothing totally. is like it. Uh, for you, what interests me specifically is like I have a background in editorial and writing for magazines oh, and cool. developing like so many relationships for the past six or seven years where I've been exclusively in the wellness industry. So a lot of connects. Yeah. So when you're pitching your new podcast and finding guests, how are you positioning yourself? What are you saying to get your foot in the door? Because I mean, I know the power of an ask. And I think that's the first thing that everyone always says. It's like, I just Uh, asked. Yeah. But you had to do a lot of digging to like find out who to ask. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You have to do, um, you have to do your research. And I think, you know, asking your friends being like, Hey, do you know anyone, do you know anyone who works for a brand like in the health of mono space or, what have you, or do you know anyone who knows so-and-so like just really asking people who you care about and, and who you respect and who will support you. Um, you'll never know until you ask and then doing your research, like on LinkedIn, like who handles the budget for marketing for certain brands and just going, going for them, having a pitch email ready. So something that's really short, succinct, powerful, specific. It gives them who you are, what your whole deal is, mission, you know, anything that aligns with theirs is really great. And then, you know, complimenting their show, brand, whatever it is. Like I use your toothpaste every single day. (laughs) Like my teeth have never been whiter. And I started this, we started this podcast and we have a community of this demo and we'd love to share them with our, our audience. Blah, blah, blah. If you'd like to ha- like continue the conversation, do let us know. 
Christine, you know, whatever yeah. it is, but you'll never know. And, and we got it at the right time. Yeah. We literally, really did. the timing of it all was quite divine. So, divine. you know, now if we started, it would be a little more difficult. Totally. But not impossible. Yeah. You know, I, anyone can be successful in podcasting now. There's so much money in podcasting, so much opportunity. Like it's very, very, very exciting. On the early tip, when you think about like the first people that you sat down with, who do you reflect on as like your first get that was like, holy shit, we're doing this? Oh man, that's a really good question. I should like do research before these. Um, <laughs> I'm like, how many? Because we've done like 300 episodes. Cash. Um, I think it was less about the person because we've had some pretty incredible people on that I'm like, whoa, this person's in my kitchen. Um, but it's really about these conversations. I'm yeah. like, whoa, I would never be having these conversations if it wasn't for this pod, you know? So whether it's about... Um, you know, really intimate conversations about like sex and relationships and masculine and fem feminine energies in, in relationship and what that means to Kristen and I and our experience and or um, talking to, you know, our friend Alok, who is a gender non-binary performing artist and they are changing the world. And it's, you know, not many people know about them. And it's in those moments I just feel so lucky that we get, that we're able to have people on, give them a platform to speak about, you know, issues like, um, you know, whether it's transgender, gender non-binary, and making sure that they are treated as human beings on this planet. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um, with the same rights, same respect, same love. I mean, it's just, it's those conversations that remind me like why we do this. Totally. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, from early on, you definitely felt so purpose-driven. You have to feel that way when you're building something and pouring so much of yourself and your money and you're just like excited to break even. Yeah. Um, but again, gaining so much from your guests as well, when you bring this into the world and you start meeting your community mm. in person and people know things, intimate details about your life, mm -hmm. is there anything like from the get go that you reflect on and you're like, wow, that was such a moment for us? Yeah. Um, I think especially when Krista and I share our solo episodes, mm -hmm. you know, and, and we've shared very honestly from the get-go and it has not been received well by everyone in our lives, you know, especially family, close friends who are like, um, I just heard this on the podcast and I didn't know that. Mm. So, you know, and hey, listen, you know, I, I love and respect every one of those sentiments. And this is my choice. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Just so long as I'm not hurting anyone when I'm saying these things, I think it's more of like people are just getting used to the fact that like we're pretty public, you know? So it might make them feel a certain way like, oh, you've changed or like, how could you not tell me first? Or which is, you know, 
things I've felt before too about other people. So I totally get it. But I am, I think I've become a little bit more um, aware of what I share on the podcast. Doesn't mean I hold back too much, but I'm just, I'm just aware of what I want to keep private, you know? But in terms of our solo episodes that I mentioned, like, you know, my sacredness of being single episode, I was quite a while ago, but I th- I thought that was a really pivotal episode for me to share because I I mean, I had been single for six, seven years and just felt like I had reached the point in the, um, in my evolution during that time where I was like, oh my God, I get it. Like I get it this time. Like it's so important. This is so special. Like when else will I be single like this and able to really give myself love and time and freedom to explore who I am and like how much I love myself and all this stuff, you know? And so I wanted to share that so badly because I I would always get messages from girls who were also single because I was like the token single girl, (laughs) which is so sweet. And I love that. Um, And I was like, you know, they would always say like, oh, like how long is it going to take? Like, where is he? And I'm like, or she, you know, I'm like, I realized I was like, we're, we are all experiencing this from the wrong perspective. Like we really need to shift it into this is a sacred time. And yeah, I I thought that was really, really impactful for me to share. When you are building this, like how are you emotionally? Like how are you feeling about the direction that your life is going? Are Mm -hmm. you feeling uh, lonely? Mm. Yeah, I I don't feel lonely. Um, I'm kind of a loner by nature. I like to have my alone time. I recharge by myself. So generally, I don't feel um, loneliness. Um, But I do, you know, as we are building this and as it's getting bigger and we're having these important conversations and starting these incredible new projects, um, I'm on the daily being confronted with parts of me that I'm super insecure about. So mainly as it relates to business and I'm really trying to face it head on and just jump in, not afraid to make mistakes because I have this like worthiness thing when I make mistakes that I'm not worthy to be a part of this and that Krista is much better at this than I. So why am I, you know, like all these stories Mm -hmm. and it's been vital for she and I to share these inner monologues because she has some of them too. You know what I mean? So as founders, as friends, as business partners, like we need to be in constant communication about this stuff. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, it's, it's building a baby like this will confront you. Like if you have some shit to work through, it's going to come up a hundred percent. It's going to come up. And, you know, I think we both began are beginning to think about life in the future. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. Um, we want this to live forever. I think our partner will probably evolve, whatever that looks like. But, you know, of course, like Chris is engaged. She's going to get married. And, and um, I, j- I am in a new relationship. And it's just like thinking about that part of your life, that personal part. Yeah. And giving love to that, too, because that, you know, that's very important. We don't want to neglect it. So what we haven't covered yet is your decision to stop teaching at Soul Cycle. Mm, yeah. So let's talk about that. Yeah. So that was about a year ago, mm-hmm. December 2018. 
And it, you know, it just, it was the right time. I like felt very, uh, I was run ragged in terms of teaching and doing the podcast. The podcast was growing. I was touring. So I went part-time with SoulCycle at first and was teaching like four to six classes a week. I was touring and I was taking off a lot. I was like, ah, this isn't fair to the people, you know? So Krista was actually the first one that took the leap in June. And, um, you know, I was so proud of her. Like it just took a lot to do that. And we had the means, you know, to do that. And then I went in December and, um, it was really hard. I missed the community. I loved people who rode with me on a regular basis. Um, I loved the creativity and creating an experience for people. I loved leading people in something like that. And it was a release for me too. Mm-hmm. But I think my body's super happy, way more relaxed. Like I do yoga, I walk, I'll do like strength training and maybe one high intensity a week, you know? So my body is so much happier. I can't even imagine like your hips after 15, 16 classes a week. It's funny. I didn't have hip problems. Yeah, It's weird, but a lot of people do. A lot of people have hip and knee problems. I did not. Maybe I will eventually. (laughs) Knock on wood. But um, for me, it was just the adrenals. They were shot. My body was stressed. Like I needed to stop. When I was teaching, the biggest problem that I found was that my voice. Yeah. I mm-hmm. couldn't have a podcast and teach even yeah. like four or five classes a week. Yeah. My voice was a huge. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm recording a solo episode on it right now. It's like, it's a, it's one of the relationships, me and my voice, that has taught me a lot. It's just such a mirror for everything that's going on in my life mm-hmm. outside of me and internally. So, um, yeah, I mean, when we started the podcast, I was teaching a ton, but I was also like drinking on the weekends and partying and then also working out the same, like working out in the mornings and just running myself ragged and I would lose my voice completely and we'd have to cancel recordings. Oh yeah. I've been there. The day before I interviewed Ruth Zuckerman. Mm. I had taught what was, I don't think it was my final class, but it was toward the end. I was teaching at a spin studio in New York. Yeah. And I was okay when I left the class at like 9 a.m. And by 11 a.m. the day before, like I had no sound whatsoever. And I was so amped to sit down with her. And I was so mad at myself that I'd put myself in that position. And I Googled and Instagram storied and was just like looking for all the answers. And I went mute from like 11.15 a.m. when I learned that I should stop trying to make sounds until literally like I think we sat down at 9.30 the next day until like 9.26. And I just prayed that everything was going to be okay. And it was fine. And we did it. And then I was like, never again. Like, I can't risk this when you have like these big goals and aspirations Mm -hmm. and you want to bring these conversations to life. Like, I know you feel so passionately about like just this opportunity to bring these people and the issues that they speak about and what they have to say to the world, like into the world. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah, it was scary. It is scary. You're like, where the <laughs> heck did you go? You just went Ariel on us and like there was nothing you can do yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you leave Soul Cycle and then how does your heart feel? So um after leaving Soul Cycle, I don't know, like I was so happy and so proud that we were able to do that. And 
also like I I was just getting to know myself in a new flow. I was like a soul cycle instructor for four and a half years. That was my every day. And it was in your Instagram bio. So that made you who you are. Yeah, now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was interesting. But overall, so, so happy. So much more time and energy to pour into the podcast, to pour into anything else that I wanted to do. Um, and I learned so much. And I met so many incredible, incredible people. Um, after after um, I quit, we really we ramped up the tour in the new year. So 2019, we toured all year and I and had some really incredible experiences um, like ayahuasca, going to onsite, um, just a lot. I started therapy. So it was like a really big year. We share really that. big year. I started therapy last year, too. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Scary. Amazing. It's good. Yeah, it's so good. So good. <laughs> so good. So delayed. I will say that the episode, the solo I did on saying like I finally went to therapy mm -hmm. was like the biggest conversation starter yeah. for like everyone. Like everyone wanted to talk about going oh, to therapy yeah. because I think for so many, it feels like something that I don't know how to say this the right way. Like it's not for me. Mm -hmm. Like I don't, I don't need to go to therapy. Mm -hmm. Wine with my best friend is just like therapy. Totally. But totally. it is not. <laughs> oh, man, I've heard that so many times. Yeah, it's it's not. And it's I, I wouldn't say like everyone needs to go to therapy. Like, do you whatever you feel. But whew, it changed my life. Yeah, I feel that. And we're, I mean, revert for a moment back to before you felt like really empowered by the single phase. Did you have a phase or a period inside the single phase that was like self-destructive is a strong, strong term, mm -hmm. but like where you just kind of fucking lost it oh yeah I, I didn't it's like I just didn't respect myself you know and I would and if you asked me at that at that time do you respect yourself I'd be like yeah <laughs> but like the way I was acting was not respecting myself which is like going after guys who were emotionally unavailable just having sex with a lot of people like you know what I mean just find mm -hmm. like filling myself up in ways that like now I'd be like, Ooh, okay. That that's not how you fill yourself up girl. Mm -hmm. Um, but I was also living in New York at the time I was uh, out of coming out of a, a long-term relationship that I blew up that I mentioned. And, um, yeah, I just, I, I didn't like myself. So therefore I didn't think that anyone could really, I was going subconsciously going after people who didn't really respect me anyway. Yeah. You know? I hear you. I hear you. I, I do it all the time. Yeah. What does life look like for you these days? And I know obviously like no two days are the same thing, but yeah, that's true. No two days are the same. Um, but life, life is, is so good. We're, we're trying to create more space this year. So tour will be at the second half of the year, but we're you know, our days are spent either recording, we're working with the team, we're working on launching your podcast pro for people who want to launch Girl Monetize a podcast. That's going to be huge. We feel so passionately about helping people do that. I mean, we're we're writing a book. Um, we are working on like merch and we're working, you know, all this stuff. It's just, it's really exciting. There's so many things going on and some days I'm like, Lindsay, you are not a good multitasker. And some days I'm like, you're fucking amazing at multitasking. <laughs> so I feel like different people some days. We have, you know, photo shoots for this and that. And that sounds like, oh, that sounds fun. And it 
and it is, but it's also worked too. You know what I mean? Like it's an interesting thing when people see things from the outside. Yeah. They're like, oh my God, they do photo shoots all day. Cool. Um, and it is cool. And we work with incredible creatives to create those and it's work. And it's stressful. And no one talks about like your self-image and how totally. you feel when you need of to stand course. in a camera for the 8,000th time Girl. this year. Yeah. So it's really good. Like It's good in the sense like it really, again, is that mirror that makes you look like, all right, that self-worth thing is coming up. That body image thing is coming up. Like, where can I like really fine tune that relationship with my body? Like, you know, yeah, it's so much deeper than that. But you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. And I don't mean to say that as in a way that comes off like ungrateful for opportunities that come across because that is so not how it feels when they come my way but that doesn't mean that despite having like a journey that's gotten you to somewhere that you're so proud of that you aren't going to feel so many moments of weakness and just like what that like pulse check all the time okay so you're doing all the things now what excites you right now um I'm so excited to like step into like the confident me in this business this year. Like I'm really down and I'm really ready and I'm really down to step into that Lindsay that communicates everything that's on her mind and does so with grace and love. You know, I I, I tend to not communicate all that I'm feeling and thinking because I think I'm going to hurt people Mm -hmm. or whatever. So I'm really excited to step into that. I'm in a new relationship and it's amazing. And I'm so excited about that. Like the best feeling. He's he's my person. It's the best. Like I'm just I yeah, my it, it's so good and so um he's my equal and he just makes me feel like I can do anything. You know, it's like it's just the best feeling. So I'm really, really excited about that. And I'm excited to make music this year. So I'm yeah. making music and Um, It's something that I've always wanted to do. And again, it's like, it's going to reach who it's going to reach. And I'm going to be so happy. You learned a really important lesson that you shared back in high school about handling people with grace and understanding that when someone comes at you in some kind of way, that usually it means that they're dealing with Mm -hmm. something. When it comes to the last two plus years now of building almost 33 years, uh, what would you say has been one of the most valuable lessons that you've learned? I think just like that I'm worth it. So whether that means like, should I say that? Yeah, because I'm worth it. Or should I pursue that because I love it? Yeah, like I am, I'm totally worth it. You know, not worrying about what other people think or what they expect of me. It's really tuning into to who I am, honoring what I need, what I want to create. So yeah, it's that it's that worthiness thing that I've I've really learned and and that has magnetized a lot of amazing things to me including that relationship because i don't think if i didn't feel like i was worthy if i didn't love myself like i would not not have attracted that yeah totally at all yeah and i mean when it comes to so much of you giving yourself to someone else but then in addition like the bigger population in your community uh what has been something that you've learned now that you have this great opportunity, now that you are constantly interacting with so many people, so many people are following you and trying to keep up with you. Like what have you learned about how to either manage that or interact with that or. 
Yeah. Especially as it relates to social media, like be myself a hundred percent all the time. Be myself <laughs> Because That's like it. it's because then it's not work. You know what I mean? Because social media can quickly become work and annoying. And I have some days where I'm like, fuck this. And it's not saying fuck this to the people. It's like just this, this like platform, like, ugh. like, let me, I just don't want to feel like a, like I'm so attached to it and mm. I'm not, I just want to feel free on it. I just want to create and post whatever I want and express myself. You know what I mean? And then I feel like the people who will want to follow me and interact with me will. Mm-hmm. And those that don't won't. And that's cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah, I think just the being yourself thing, which I'm so lucky with the podcast, Kristen and I get to be ourselves like it's the best, you know, but I, especially for people out there who are like trying to build their business online with social media, like be yourself, tell your story, be legit, <laughs> but also just be yourself. Cause like no one's you, right? you know what I mean? So like, I trust that like my experience, my weirdness is just going to attract the people, you know, that are supposed to follow me. The people. All right. Well, all of those people that are following you, they look at your social media and they see now uh, a co-founder, a passionate woman that is confident and knows who she is. When you look in the mirror, is that what you see looking back at you or what do you see? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I really, really do. Even this look that I'm rocking now, I'm like, you passionate, confident woman. <laughs> no, but I do. Like, I think Air Force One say passionate and confident. Like, I just, I don't know. I'm like, I'm at that. I'm 32. I'm like, I don't know. It feels very good. I don't, I care a lot less. I just, I, I honor my body. Like, you know, I'm, I I think the anxiety is I have to work on the judgment around my process in learning things. But other than that, like when I look at myself, I'm just like, yeah, girl, proud of you. Like you're amazing and you're doing it. Different answer a year ago. Yeah, maybe, maybe slightly different. I think therapy definitely helped. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Last question. Yeah. You have an opportunity right now to offer the Lindsay a piece of advice who is in New York and working three different bartending jobs and doing fit modeling and mm. then at SoulCycle and like feels like she is just at her breaking point. Yeah. You have an opportunity to offer Lindsay during that hurdle moment one piece of advice. Mm -hmm. What is it that you tell her looking back on it now? I'd be like, look at me. Don't look at any of the hot finance guys around you because they're douchebags right now and they're they're point in life. Look at me and just know that all of this is so purposeful. Like you're gonna you're gonna have a field day connecting the dots to everything you're experiencing now, to who you're becoming, from the people that you're meeting from learning how to type in a cash tip into the the cash register machine thingy. Like everything is so purposeful and like just trust this time. Like you will never, this is fleeting. It is so fleeting and you're doing great and you never ever have to change who you are in order for someone to love you or someone to cast you. Period. Period. Thanks.
You're welcome. Please <laughs> take a moment and leave a quick review by clicking the link with the description to this episode. We all face multiple hurdles in life. I want to hear about yours. Reach out to me at emily at hurdle.us. Connect with the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at hurdle podcast. Lindsay, where do they find you? How do they keep up with Almost 30? Give me the deets. Yeah, so they can follow me on Instagram at Lindsay Simsik, S-I-M-C-I-K. Um, I love talking to people on there and then almost 30 you could listen everywhere podcasts are which is apple podcast spotify etc you can find us on youtube as well and then instagram at almost 3030 podcast and that's it yeah another hurdle conquered catch you guys next time thanks girl Woo.